0: Right. Well, we are in the flow of everything, week two. And before we start, if you have a Bible, turn to the Book of Philippians really quick. It's not where we're going to be tonight, but I just feel like sharing something with you. Book of Philippians, chapter four, verse seventeen. So, generosity is one of those words that you hear it and you have like a connotation to it and some people have been on the the reciprocation or not the reciprocation they've been the recipient of generosity and so it's a very sweet word and you hear it and there's something about it that reaches out to you that you want to be a part of it you you want to receive it you also want to give it and there's sometimes you hear that word and this is what goes through your ears they want something from me okay they want something from me. And Paul taught about generosity to the book, in the book of Philippians, but to the Philippians church. And here's what you need to know about the Philippians church. They were one of the most generous churches that we have on record. In fact, Paul says for a while that they were the only church that was helping him. And here in the letter, he's talking to them a little bit more about what generosity looks like. And look what, listen to what he says in verse 17. He says, not that I seek the gift. But I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. And so when Paul is talking to them about generosity, he's saying, Is this? I'm not looking for your gift, I'm not looking for the thing which you can give to me. Here's what I understand about generosity. When you participate in it, you will be blessed far beyond you can imagine. I'm not talking about materially. I'm talking about what happens in joy in your relationship with Christ when you participate in this. And so Paul is saying, look, don't miss out on the blessing of generosity. I I don't want your money. I'm not looking for what you have. And so I'm here to talk about generosity tonight, and here's what I want to tell you. I'm not here looking for anything. I don't want anything from you. I'm not looking for anything that comes. Like, I, I just want to talk to you about something that I see in Scripture that I think is really, really, really cool, okay? And so where we're going to be tonight is in the book of 1 Kings, okay? The book of 1 Kings. So if you don't know where that is, it's way, way, way back, like a whole chunk back. And it's right after the books of Samuel, and there's two of them and we're going to be in the first one in First Kings chapter seventeen, and we're going to be talking about one of my favorite dudes, and his name is Elijah. Okay, so when I hear the name Elijah, I instantly go to the story of the calling down to the fire. You guys heard that story before? Hey, raise your hand if you've heard that story. I just want to kind of say, okay. All right, so Elijah um, got in this um, duel with the prophets of Baal or Baal or however you want to pronounce it. And they were trying to say, no, our God's the real God. And, And Elijah was like, no, the one true God is the real God. And so they had a little duel, right? But they didn't fire guns at each other because they didn't have guns. And they didn't fight with swords because that would have been lame. When you can call down fire from heaven, okay? And so here was the thing. They built altars. Elijah built an altar. And the prophets of Baal, the 450 prophets of Baal, built an altar, and the prophets of Baal began to dance around. Can you imagine this? They're dancing around this altar with a bull on it. And they're calling down fire from heaven. Right? You know what would happen if we called down fire from heaven right now? Nothing. Okay? And so Elijah begins to taunt them. And he begins to say, hey, w- why don't you begin to cut yourselves? Okay? May- why don't you begin, maybe the blood will wake him up. Hey, maybe he's in the bathroom. Maybe he's asleep, he can't hear you, yell louder. Nothing happens. And Elijah does something very odd. He he builds his altar and he gets the stones, and he puts the bull on there, and then he digs a moat. Okay, around it. And he has water poured on the altar. Now, have you ever tried to light, light wet wood on fire? Does it happen? So here you have a rain-soaked altar, and Elijah sits down, and he prays, and he says, God, show them who you are. Show them your glory. And fire comes down and consumes the bull, the stones, the wood, the water, everything. It's gone, right? Elijah's got some cool stories. But this one happens a little bit before, and it's a much quieter story. There's no fire from heaven, but it's no less miraculous. So what I want to do is I want to show you a pattern that seems to happen in Scripture. We're going to look at it three times. Okay, and the first pattern is going to start in First Kings sixteen thirty three and ah okay. So here's your first problem: problem sin. First Kings, and I said I know I said seventeen. This is the only verse we're going to read in sixteen. Verse thirty three. It says this: and Ahab made an Asherah uh, and. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. Does that sound like a good sentence? No. He did a lot of really bad things. God was really unhappy with the people, so they had a problem, and that problem was sin. Right? It's a very similar problem that, that we still have, but he, the, the problem was sin, and so God had an answer for it. This is when we get into 17. It says, Now Elijah, Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. So here is the response to sin. There's going to be drought. Okay, What do you know about drought? A+. Plus to dry okay what happens when it's dry there is no water to drink and there are no crops to grow so what happens you get very hungry and thirsty okay God is trying to get the attention of the people he's trying to turn their hearts back to him but here you have this guy named Elijah who has been faithful and he has a need what's his need food and water right it says this in Second Kings, or 1 Kings 17, it says, And the word of the Lord came to him, Depart from here and turn eastward, and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is the east of Jordan. You shall drink from the brook that I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. And so God said, you have a need. You have a need food. You need water. Right? And so he's going to go. And so here's the provision. We see this In verse 5 and 6, he says, So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Cherith, that is in the east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Does that sound like a pretty good deal? Did it sound like God was providing for him? The answer is yes, okay? And I'm completely okay if you guys talk to me. Okay. The answer is yes. God provided for him. Did God provide for him in a supernatural way? Yes. Okay. I can't make a raven like come bring me food. That would be like the greatest trick ever. But like, I can barely get to Chick Fil A right now because of all the traffic. Right? Like, it's it's getting hard to even feed ourselves because of the traffic. But here, God has Elijah provided for. So there was sin. There was a, um, a response to sin, there was a need, and there was provision. Okay? So now I want to talk about the two problems we face in this life. We face spiritual problems, we face physical problems. Okay? Spiritual problems and physical problems. Well, what's going on spiritually? Well, we have the same problem, right? We have the same problem of sin. We know this from Genesis chapter 3. We know that God created this great world that didn't have need. Think about that. There was no need. Everything was provided. They lived in perfect relationship with one another. They had all of the fruit they could want. They had animals there. They had work to do. Their work went really well. Everything was perfect. We think about our existence, and we understand that it's so different, because in Genesis chapter three, sin came. The man and the woman decided that God was not enough. They decided that they could be equal to God, and they took the fruit of the tree and they ate it, and they realized they were naked. They realized that instantly that they were in need. Of something, They covered themselves up and God came and said, Who told you that you're naked? He begins to tell them what the punishment of their sin was going to be. And the response, I am so terrible at this thing. The response is death. Right? Now God had grace on them. He even provided in this moment that the death wasn't instant. He didn't wipe out humanity in one felt swoop right there. But no, death entered the human race. And Adam and Eve would perish. And Cain and Abel and Seth would perish. And the whole next line of names that I can't pronounce would perish. And we realize that we have a need. You see, our need for our spiritual problem is salvation where Elijah's problem was that he needed food and water to sustain ourselves, we realize that we are in need of salvation, that there is literally nothing that we can do to save ourselves. We are just like Elijah. We are at the point where we are utterly dependent on God doing something, or we are going to die. The wages of sin is death. But here we have an answer. We have provision. And the provision for us is Jesus. You see, this is how generous our God is. God looked down on us in love and sent his one and only son. The greatest treasure that he had to give, he poured out to us in grace in the person of Jesus Because our greatest spiritual need is met in him. When we look at what generosity looks like, this is the starting story. We have a generous God who gave his greatest gift to us so that we may not die, but that we may live. And everything else that flows from generosity comes from this that's the spiritual side. I don't want to talk about the physical. Right? We have physical needs too. Let's continue reading. First Kings 17, chapter 7, or chapter 17, verse 7. It says, And after a while the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. So God told him to go somewhere. Did Elijah obey? Yes. He obeyed and he went there and he drank from the brook and a raven fed him and then all of a sudden the the brook ran out. God's provision for him was no longer going to be sourced from there and so he had a problem. And the problem was this, he was out of provision. His provision had run out. So he had to listen to the word of the Lord again. Verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow to feed him there. So here you have God's response. Compassion. You see, God looks down at us when we are in need, and he has compassion. He has proven that in the spiritual realm. He has provided for us in Christ, but he also takes care of us physically. He looked down on Elijah and provided a way out. He said, go to this town and find this widow. And so he did it. What was his need? Well, his need was food and water again, right? He needed more sustenance or he was going to physically die. Listen to what happens. So he arose, and he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. So first thing, we're reading that, and we read the word widow, right? Now, we generally, if we think about a widow, I don't know what your experience is thinking about a widow, but in the Old Testament, when you're reading that word, a lot of times it's linked in with poor. Okay? Okay? You want to take care of the widow and the orphan. You want to take care of that. They, they don't have a lot of protection in that culture. This wasn't someone who was going to be very wealthy. And here Elijah sees her and he says this. He called to her and said, bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, it's the first thing you notice about this, this lady, right? Stranger walks up to her, asks for water, What does she do? She's going to do it. Okay. How many times have you been out and someone's asked you for help and your first response is, I don't know you. Now, you guys are young and I understand there's some safety things and I understand that not we shouldn't do everything, but just think about the heart that this woman had for someone who the Lord brought to her. Okay? and Think about people in your life that the Lord might bring around you, that you might have this response. That you might say, yeah, I've got some water right here. Okay? He wasn't done asking questions, though. He said, and as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Okay? So Elijah, he's, he's not afraid to ask. Now, why is he not afraid to ask? Right, you got to be louder. God led him there, right? God told him to go. This wasn't just like, I'm just going to go and show up. He's like, no, God told me that a widow was going to come and feed me, and I see you, and I think you're God's provision for me, and I'm going to trust in God, and so I'm going to ask. Give me some water. And she's about to give me water. He's like, can I have a cake? Or can I have a piece of bread, right? Listen to the widow's response. And she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar, and a little oil in a jug. And now I am gathering it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Have you ever heard a sadder story than that? Like, Elijah says, hey, give me some food. She says, yeah, okay. See, I say, I have a little bit of oil, a little bit of flour. I'm going to go make this little cake, and we're going to go eat it, and we're going to huddle up, and we're going to die together. It's insanely sad, Right? Listen to Elijah. Hey, listen to Elijah. Elijah evidently knows that God can provide. Did God provide from the, the, the brook and the raven? God know, or Elijah knows what God can do here. And he said to her, Do not fear. Go do as you have said. But first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterward make something for yourself and your son. Okay? Can you imagine the, the headline on CNN? Okay? Local prophet asked woman to sacrifice son for one last meal. It would be tons of clickbait for us because it's hard to believe. But this woman does it. This woman evidently understands that this is a person from the Lord and he can be trusted. And you know what? We're going to figure this out. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did it as Elijah said. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent. Neither did the jug of oil become empty. According to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. What was the provision? It was the widow. God's provision for Elijah wasn't the oil or the flour because he could have taken water and stone and made bread and water for him. No, his provision was the widow. And he brought him to her, and in her faithfulness, God provided greatly for her. The oil and the flour Never ran out. Now, I thought about coming up here with a jar of oil and a jar of flour, but I didn't want to clean it up afterward. Okay, But if I have oil and flour in a jar and I turn it upside down, what's going to happen? It's going to pour out, right? Am I going to be able to just turn it over and have it reappear? No, it's a miracle. God did a miracle in providing for Elijah and for this widow. And so what do we do with this story? What does this have to do with generosity? Well, the first thing... It's right there on your, on your notes. God meets every spiritual need in Christ. Some of you have come in here and you are hurting. Some of you are coming in here and you are dry and you are broken. Some of you are coming here and it's a great time right now. Every spiritual blessing is given to us in Christ Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Every good and perfect gift is from above, James 1, 17. God can meet our spiritual needs. It starts with salvation. I don't know the makeup of the room, but if you are here and you have never experienced the grace that Jesus has to offer to save us from our sins, that is where this all begins. The gospel is not something that we just have once and then we go on. No, the gospel is what keeps us going. It is what sanctifies us as we realize that it is not us who has to be good, but it is the grace of God through Jesus Christ and the spirit that he gives us that makes us holy. Every spiritual blessing you have is given to you in Christ. God has poured out on you generously. And then, sometimes you are Elijah in the story. Sometimes you are Elijah and you have a need. Sometimes you're the one who's waiting by the brook. Sometimes you are the one that is waiting for the raven to come and feed you. Or you're waiting to run into the widow. God Will provide for you. God will provide for you. My question is will you trust Him? Sometimes you have to wait. Sometimes it doesn't come in the timing that you have. Sometimes it doesn't come in the package that you dream up, but every time our God will provide. He says, my Paul says, my God will supply all of my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. He doesn't say he's going to supply all my wants. And so if you are taking what I'm talking about and applying it to like the Apple 19 watch that's going to come out sometime in, I don't know, 40 years, like you're going to be disappointed. But God says he will meet our needs. There's a passage in Malachi that talks about see how generous you can be and see if I don't pour out the blessings of heaven, right? And people see that and like, look, he wants to give us all these blessings. But it says in the text until every need is met. He promises to meet your needs. Are you in here today and are you Elijah? Are you waiting for a need to be met? Are you trusting in God, the one who can provide? And are you doing that with people in this room? Letting them know where a need is because someone might be able to meet it. Sometimes, though, you're not the Elijah, sometimes you're the widow. Sometimes you're the widow and you have just a little bit of oil and you have a little bit of flour. Okay? And what I want to tell you tonight is that sometimes God wants to provide through you. Sometimes God wants to provide through you. And my question is the same as for Elijah. Will you trust him? You see, the widow didn't have much to give. Right, we're not talking about someone who gave this extraordinary amount, but I'm celebrating her story today. Why? Because she was willing to give what she had. I don't care if I'm talking to a room full of first through sixth graders. I don't care if I'm talking to junior high and senior high students. I don't care if I'm talking to adults. Everyone has something that they can give. Everyone has a time and a talent and a treasure. And my question is, are you willing to trust God with that? Even if he asks something hard for you. I want you to put yourself in the mind of the widow really quick. You have enough oil and flour to bake one last cake for your son. And you feel God calling you to make a cake for someone else first? Do you think it was hard for her to say yes? I'm going to guess the answer is yes. Here's my follow-up question, though. After the fact, do you think she thinks it was worth it? I started this whole thing by talking about Paul in Philippians. And he said... It's not the gift that I want, but it's the fruit in your life. You see, I think the coolest part of the story is not that he took oil and flour and kept it going, right? He does this a lot. In 2 Kings chapter 4, she takes a little bit of oil. It's a different widow. Takes a little bit of oil, and she starts pouring it into jars, and she fills up huge amounts of jars because the oil keeps going. We get to the New Testament. There's two fish and five loaves, or maybe there's, I don't know. There's some, there's some count, right? There's two fish and there's five loaves, and he feeds thousands of people. Like, we know our God can do this. My favorite part of the story is not the multiplication My favorite part is, can you imagine the faith of Elijah and the widow? They've just walked through famine and drought and hunger and pain, and they just trusted in the hand of God, and they watched him pour out. What do you think they're going to trust him for next? Man, the reason I get excited to talk to you guys about generosity has nothing to do with money. It has nothing to do with stuff. It has nothing to do with serving or sharing. Like, those are all great things. Man, I'm excited to see people bring clothes this weekend for us to get to give those clothes away. I think that is awesome. That's not what I want. What I want for you is to experience the joy of obedience and participating in something that God has called everyone to. We are blessed so that we can be a blessing. Let me pray for you. Heavenly you know, Father, thank you for an opportunity to get in your word, to look at stories that you have done in the past that are just amazing. And Father, you have multiplied food, you have multiplied oil and flour. The boundlessness of your miracles is just impressive but, Father, you haven't called us to do the impossible. You've called us to take what you've given us, and to be faithful with it. And so, Father, I pray for every student in this room, for every leader in this room, Father, that we would take an honest look at what you have provided for us. You are the source of everything. You are the one who provides. And, Father, I pray that we would take from that an opportunity to trust you with what you have provided to us. And whether we are Elijah tonight or the widow, that ultimately our greatest hope would not be in the stuff that we have, but in the God who gave it to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys. Head to your small groups. Thanks for being here tonight.